0: What's up, man? Living the good life, bro. Hells yes, did, dude. Did you fucking see what Shay did? 1.9 seconds left in the game. He transforms into... I don't even know if I should say it. Michael Jordan? Shh. Did that look like Michael Jordan to you, Dave? Well, I mean, if if we're going to
1: just bring this out, let's just talk about this for a second. I sent you something, Mark. It said, Trey Mann... Um, posted this last night after the game. Trey man says, God knew how much I love Michael Jordan growing up. So he put him on my team with him, put me on Woo. a team with him. So Woo. Trey man saying some big ass words right there. Um, my buddy Blake, uh, we talk all the time. He asked me if uh, Shay reminded me or uh, reminded um, uh, me of Michael Jordan or Kobe I said he was kind of like a mixture, um, like you got a little bit of Kobe's DNA, got a little bit of Michael's DNA, and he's, you know, Kobe was a nine-time uh, first-team defensive player. Michael Jordan was named, uh, I think, in 88 or 89 um, Defensive Player of the Year, and then also had nine first-team defensive players. So, to me, like, both of those guys are incredibly on un- um, incredible on defense, but the way that Shea steals the ball is, I feel way more like Michael Jordan-esque on defense. So... I feel like it's a nice little hybrid there. Okay. I think it's fun to see, man. Like, the closing aspect of there. it. You closing aspects it is defense. fun,
0: bro. You switched up to defense, bro.
1: It has to. I mean, like, like have we ever seen a, 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 an offensive player at his caliber at the guard that can play lockdown defense like he does? Have we ever seen it besides Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant? Um, no. So, I mean, that's what we're saying. I mean, that's what I feel like we're at this moment of our lives where we in Oklahoma City, man, we get to watch a player that is a hybrid Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. And as we get older and he gets more mature and he starts putting up more points and he does more incredible things, I think it's going to be more evident that what we're watching.
0: So explain to me what the fuck we're seeing with Chuck.
1: Um, I, I think we're seeing a Chet was the thing that you and I always knew that was going to happen with Chet. You, I mean, I, said told you, I told double you, I told you blocks, triple, double, triple double, blocks. blocks was going to happen. He was going to have seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 14 blocks in the game. Like this is the person that we knew we were going to get with Chet, but stepping up in the game against the defending champions at their homes after at their home, after they already embarrassed us at our home, the way he stepped up like that. And, and I, listen, I've never seen. Aaron Gordon get blocked on a dunk. I mean, I I know Michael Cage said that. I watched six times, the
0: way he reached his hand on top of it, and he just, like, pulled it back. Couldn't believe
1: it, man. Like, what was Chet, what happened to Chet was, I think everybody on Prime TV got a glimpse of how good Chet is going to be in the NBA, and I think it's scary because if you look at his last five games, he's had, like, uh, nine blocks, three blocks, three blocks, two blocks, three blocks, six blocks, you know? Like, he is dominating.
0: He almost Every almost of the
1: defensive, on the defensive end, right now, and
0: like you keep saying, almost a triple double with blocks, which hasn't happened since what the nineteen nineties. I yeah, since they said David Robinson, Michael Cage kept saying David Robinson in nineteen ninety. I thought it um, happened just recently, but maybe I'm wrong on that. I, he might have been talking about a rookie to do it, but was was David Robinson a rookie in ninety? I feel like he wasn't, but maybe he was because of the two years delayed in the 80, 90, I don't know. Um. So, yeah, like. What we're watching is something special. And, and uh, you can be like, Oh, there's a block shot in the first quarter. You know, it's intimidating and stuff. There's a block shot in the fourth quarter that is clutch. He had both, but those clutch ones were, I mean, like his blocks kept getting more spectacular and more important and more crucial. And when you win a game by one point and the guy has nine blocks, you like, (laughs) you don't have to do a lot of math to figure out how important those were. Mm -mm. You don't. And, and and it's, Truly
1: spectacular. It's insane. It's whatever you want to say it. Um, 17 points, 11 rebounds, 9 blocks. Incredibly efficient from um, shooting with 6 for 12. Um, and I, I just got to gotta step back. And um, I got to say is there's sometimes there's something different in players. You know, like, did I have any doubt in my mind the second that – listen, coach calls timeout if Shea can't catch the ball. she has right. got after it. They, after – after we got the, uh, the stop or mark. steal or whatever, down by one, coach calls timeout if Shays doesn't get the ball. And the reason that is is because then we get the ball at half court, but Josh getting in the game, we get um, Shea open, or somebody else gets open for an easy bucket. But Shea gets the ball, coach lets him play it out. We have one timeout, left it in his pocket. Let's Shea go up the court and just do his thing. Everybody cleared out for him. We all knew what was going on. I knew what was going on. I knew that Chet or, or nobody else uh, nobody else is going to touch that ball because that was Shays. You know, Chet, Shea loves Chet. I mean, I'm not saying anything about that, but guess what happened? The second Shea got the ball, you know, they were doubling, almost doubling, not quite doubling on Chet, you know? Like, they they were letting somebody else beat us, and that's exactly what happened. You know, Shea went straight to that beautiful spot, and it's a picture-esque, like, fadeaway, off-one-leg type shot, bro, and it's just what we're going to see throughout our our, our time in our his career, man, like I can people talk about like, oh, he's going to be you know, really good and all this other stuff. I don't think anybody truly understands his greatness yet. I mean, the fact is that he goes where he wants to go and scores for where he wants to score at any time, at any part of the game. And the thing is, is that when he's getting doubled, he has no problems passing the ball and getting six assists. Like he is so efficient on every aspect of the game and in a, in a time period where efficiency is king. Like he's going to be the most efficient guard out there. He's going to be the most efficient defender guard out there, and you're going to be watching him dominate the NBA for many years. It's not. This is not one of those things where we're going to watch. You know, kind of like Yao Ming or Yao Ming or somebody like that that dominates for a couple years and then they get old. You know, like Shea's going to dominate for so long. Why? Because Oklahoma City Thunder
0: um, protects their players. That's true, dude. You know they say. If you want to be the best you have to be the best that's it and i'm not saying that one win against the champs at their home puts us in that category but it's a step along the way and you're down 10 four minutes to go there's just no way you can claim that you're the best in the league unless you've gone through these types of games and come out on top it doesn't mean we're going to come out on top next time we could still lose the season series to them so there's nothing like in a position where we think, oh, we're better than them. But for this one game, in this one situation, we executed on the stretch in an incredible way that we needed it. Because hmm. like you said, we were down by 10, two minutes left, and they didn't stop making plays. When you watch it back, the Nuggets kept scoring, and we would score right back. They kept making, hitting big shots, making, but we, when it came time to get a stop, Cut it to one. They hit a four. Um, hit a three point in the corner. Right.
1: Made it to four again. Like it wasn't. Jay comes yeah, and just you're right. Takes
0: the ball when it's time to get a stop. Chet makes blocks when it's time to get a stop. We get the stops, but not just the stops. We play in this really smooth transition. So teams aren't set up. We're not going to call that timeout to let them get set up. We have right. the spacing we want for the shot we want. Um. I, it was just such a beautifully executed game. You know, we didn't end up getting it done against the Kings, Dave. And, you know, I said after that game though, it's hard. I felt like we executed at a way that I was just really proud of the game. You know, we really made a couple of uh, mistakes, you know, at the end of the third quarter, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And that was it. That was that game against the Kings. So sure. this game, you know, we found ourselves in that deficit. It wasn't a smooth, like, oh yeah, we just went on and won it. We had a do what we are not not wanting. We want to win these games with a, by a bit of a margin, not necessarily hit a shot at the end to take the lead. But You're right. that's just part of the process right now. Mm. We didn't surprise anybody when we came in there. Mm-mm. Coach Malone was a hell of a coach. Jokic, everybody knows what he can do. This whole thing is is incredible, Dave. This was the game of the season, not just the game of the season. I want to go as far as to say this is the best game we've had since the rebuild started. I know we won the playing game that was spectacular. Yeah. But this game to me represents so much more because sure. I honestly believe we are contender this year. And I know people don't want to say it, but I really believe we are.
1: Yeah, man. And and they went big ball on us. I mean, they went straight up and put up, they had Gordon, Holiday, Porter, all forwards right there. They had Jokic, right? They had as a center, and then they had Murray, who's a big guard, right? So mm-hmm. they went big on us, right? And, you know, people are going to sit here and say, well, this is proof that Josh Giddy's not, you know, in the in the playing time and all this other stuff. Listen, when they went big on us, we had one option. One option that was to play Jay Will as many minutes as possible. And that was 22 minutes tonight. That's all Josh Giddey minutes, man. That's all Josh Giddey minutes. Okay, Just because
0: let's talk about he had to quick. play
1: Jokic. Joe, Jay Will played great. All right,
0: his yeah, game was no incredible. no doubt.
1: And, but, but that's but that's but, because he was playing Jokic, and he had we had to have somebody other than Chet playing
0: Jokic the whole game. So he shot three for four from deep, and hmm. um, he had six. Re- I'm sorry, that's the wrong guy. He had four rebounds and one assist. That pass to to Isaiah Joe. But you mentioned Giddy, so let's back up. Let's talk yeah. Josh Giddy for a minute. Okay, so he did not start the third quarter. Hmm. Frustrating fact coach sure. says like you said we have to make some adjustments we go big we match you know, up big. we put jay will in the game but when it came josh giddy's time in the fourth quarter coach had it was like he had a turnover and coach pulled him out within a couple of minutes and he didn't see the court again and i was watching him on the bench like he wasn't happy about that i can't blame him sometimes it's hard to hide your emotions but he wasn't prepared for not playing the like pretty much most of the game i thought he had some yeah. good moments when he was playing but he had some trouble handling like even some of the shots he hit. He just didn't look like he was in a comfortable position. So exactly, this is an unprecedented territory for all of us in this situation. So I just feel like with, with Josh right now, how does the team handle where he's at? I mean, I'll be honest with you is that
1: I, I understand that people are going to say his shot selection or this or that. Um, but I, listen, what's happening right now is we're seeing this evolution of Josh being forced to play a power forward position. And when you're playing yeah. a power forward position on defense, you're going to be up against the, you know, a, a more difficult, um, you know, physical um, players. So looking at like that, you see players like Jay will who, de- who do better because if you put Jay will, and this is something you and I talked a significant amount of before the season, I thought right. that Jay will, was somehow going to start showing that he's more valuable at that power forward position to line up against Chet. And kind of like this traditional power forward center position of the um, center being a big wide body like Kendrick Perkins. And then you have a uh, big lanky guy at the power forward like KG, um, like Chet. Like to me, like that makes sense a lot. But to get there, we have to figure out where the holes have to be filled. And one of those holes that have to be filled, in my opinion, is that power forward position of who are we going to stick in that place? Can Josh get bigger? Can he get faster? Can he make it so that people are are underestimating him and he becomes a better player because of it? Sure. But right now, he's learning that new position and coaches putting him in the positions that are going to help him out. And times that like this last night where we knew that Josh could help out the team in the third quarter, right? But the problem was was we knew Jay Will would be a better player against Jokic during that time because he's going to wear him down. And that's exactly what Coach saw too. So to me, it wasn't a diss on Josh. This was a, hey, Josh, Jay Will is going to do a better job against Joker than you are going to do against Michael Porter Jr. Or you're going to do against Aaron Gordon. Or you're going to do against Holiday. So we're going to go right here. And, and again, it's just the way it goes sometimes.
0: Yo, I think you're right. I think... We have to not try to look at everything all at once. We have to kind of take this game for what it was. And the matchups just weren't in favor of him. That's and, the and this happens a lot recently.
1: Right. I mean, think about the Sacramento Kings. Think about these other teams that have legit power forwards that are out there. And you got to say, you know, this well, is what it's going to be like until Josh can get to that power forward body, you know, mass size. He played a really good will game.
0: Happen. Well. I'll say this about the Kings, right? <laughs> he played a really good second half against the Kings. He started in yeah. the third quarter. Um, he got 10 points in the third. And then he really was, he was given the, the op- opportunity to close the game. And he did a hell of a job. Um, yeah. But that's how it is for Josh right now. Like you got a guy like Isaiah Joe who's making defensive plays, but is yeah. obviously right. a, a guy who needs to get opportunities to close games because of his ability to knock down shots. Even when he's not knocking yeah. him down like he hasn't been. He still demands respect because at the end of the game, boom, he hits one, and it's because his teammates trust him and he's got to shoot no, no conscience when he's a shooter. Casey um, Wallace, he needs minutes. Wiggins mean, needs minutes. Kenny Williams sure. plays that power forward position, center position, like the one that Josh is being asked to play. And he also has the ability to defend a little bit mm. more like Josh's dad probably did. I haven't seen too sure. much, but like, for Giddy. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. kind of where we're at with Josh. Like, he's got to continue to find a way to tap into that. That work work. Giddy style, like get after it, you know, defensively and build from there. Like these guys that came in during the beginning of the rebuild who earned minutes because of their offense are now having to figure out how to earn them up because of their defense. And certain guys earned them from their defense early mm-hmm. on, like Dort and Wiggins, and they know how to do it. So be patient. I know we say that a lot with Josh right now, but last year he had a tough start. A lot of people were, you know, going after him, asking him to get you know to trade him. He ended up with another spectacular year. I know that he's frustrated. Um, I wish I could put my arm around him and just be like, listen, you know, because I've seen so I've been a coach. I've been mm-hmm. seen so many times kids lose confidence because they're not out there playing. Um, and you want you want to say, like, use this time to focus on your craft, continue mm-hmm. to improve. Your moment will come back. And when it does, be prepared, because I've been in that spot as a player where you're just you're outside the rotation. And you would literally do anything to be in the rotation. But coaches has decided to go in a different direction. Okay? It doesn't mean it's over. There was times, bro, where because of injury, I went from being the 13th man to the 6th man because just was decimated with injury. So don't yep. drop your head. Keep right. fu- fu- fucking fighting. Your chance will come, and you'll have a chance to prove to people what level of talent you really are. And this is a difficult Sit. thing because you can tell the noise is getting to him. But learning to block out the noise is something that every single elite player has to do. And it's even more imperative for him to do this at the moment. Dude, what, Dude I, my question for you is, game. What, is, is 15 minutes of booing
1: bad or is 30 minutes of booing bad? Like that's what coach is also looking at right now. And I, and I hate saying it, but every single time that Josh touches the ball, it's a boo. And, 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 and that's fine. And that's the way it's going to go for quite a while. But sometimes it's rather, you know, with the way things go, we'd rather 15 minutes of it rather than 30 minutes of it. And I, to me, like, it's, it's about getting used to it. And once he gets used to it, I don't, I don't doubt that Josh is going to be a top def, um, player, uh, point guard slash forward in the, lead, um, in the league. But our bench last night, man, dude. Honestly, 11 points Josh, from J.
0: Will. He needs to study film from Chet last year. When Chet was sitting on the bench. Study film about how Chet cheered and encouraged. Because those guys were there for you when they couldn't play. And if you're out and you're only thinking about yourself, that's problematic. Because remember, Dave, we talk about this to each other all the time. Sam Presti, what does he watch? He watches the bench. Yeah, yeah. You have to be other people focused. I'm sorry to cut you off, bro. You're talking about the bench. But. No, you're right, but but this
1: is this is exactly where the bench belongs. I mean, that's what you see: Aaron Wiggins, Isaiah Joe, Kenny Hustle, and Jay Will. They're always standing up on big shots and stuff like that. Like Josh has got to get used to that. And and the reality is, if if Coach was done with Josh, he'd be coming off the bench already. But Coach isn't done with Josh. You know, right. he's not putting him to the bench, and that is. Do you think people that, can
0: boo somebody out of the NBA?
1: Um, listen, um,
0: because I feel I, like they, they could do it to Josh. I feel like they legitimately could boo him out so, of the NBA. Let's just be honest with it. Is um
1: they booed um Ben Simmons out of Philly. So is it abnormal for them to boo players? I mean, Kobe Bryant but, got booed. His there's entire, no safe place
0: for Josh. The only safe place that doesn't boo him right now, every time he touches the ball, is Oklahoma City. So like, I feel like they could at boom it, But I'm the saying, look at his minutes. Look at his minutes in Oklahoma City.
1: I mean, that's that tells you everything you need to know. When we're playing at home, his minutes are more. So, um, it's just
0: one of those things where uh, to me it, it sucks. I, to me, this is. I feel like this is the first time I've ever felt like, um, like there should be legitimate. I'm concerned legitimately of the mob actually destroying lives in this way that is irreversible. And it makes me feel like there needs to be somehow some sort of government intervention where they can limit the amount of like, mob violence that takes place. Can, can I
1: be honest about this whole thing? Last year, we talked about Joe ja Morant. We said the Memphis Grizzlies need to pull him off of the court, before the second incident happened, we said they need to pull him off and they need to take him out of the completely because they need to get right with his mental aspect. Like, in my opinion, at this moment, yes, playing Josh Giddy 15 minutes a game is great or whatever, but I would rather um, the Oklahoma City Thunder pull Josh out of the game, get him, you know, I'm sure he's getting, you know, all the help he can get right now, but make sure that he's double downing in it. it doesn't look okay, sure, bro. And, and, that's, and that's my point is that he needs to have time away from the basketball right now because it's ruining his there's a point that okay if you ever get on a, a team where you have a bunch of mean kids and you got one mm-hmm. player that's you know really good and those mean kids are just you know destroying that one player it gets in their head and this is what's happening and i feel so bad for josh and i i wish that he just could get some time away get with his but, family but get do the, all that other stuff and we got christmas you know like it a would psychological
0: make psychological risk of yeah of right this now moment. that's what we're playing with right but now. but like is it more risky to pull him off or is it more risky to put him in a spot where, like all of a sudden now it's like the mob won, like he kind of needs to stay in the in the routine of the n b a like but like I mean like that's when god damn i
1: hate I hate saying injuries sometimes help players, I mean like yeah, uh, I know a sprained you ankle, you know, like yeah. a sprained ankle, um um a twisted wrist, like those things help players in in situations like this, like um i to me, like uh, Josh is one of those players that. Um, If I'm Sam Presti and I'm I'm Coach D, I'm like you know Josh fall down during practice and you know act like your ankle's twisted. (laughs) I know that's against the NBA league rules, but but my point is is that like
0: that's what it takes. You've
1: got you got to look out for yourself sometimes. You know you got to look out for you know I and and I know there's no I in team, but in situations like this, mental aspect and when it's mental health. Like, you got to look out after I because, like, we've seen guys like Ben Simmons not be able to get out of that bubble. You know, we've seen guys like, I mean, I could go down in league, you know, history of players that, you know, did something and never able to get um, past it. That's you know, what you I'm You think about right Ron Artest, you know? But he still was able to, like, that. It just, well, he, he, st- he was able to get over it. But think about it for the next two years, anytime he went anywhere, everybody booed him. Yeah. You know, like after he started, even after he started playing, so it was like three years down the road from the incident and people boot him everywhere. You know, like, again, it's just, I'm looking at this and I'm saying Josh Giddey isn't a problem right now, but the problem is, is that if he doesn't get help mentally and he doesn't get, you know, time away, essentially to fall in love with basketball over again, that it's going to be something traumatic in his life. It's already dramatic. But traumatic is something a whole new deal. So I think it's there's that, and then I want to address. I want to address something Chris J said here. Um, the offensive um, rebounding is killing us. Yes, but last night I counted the offensive boards because I always do that. They had two incidents where they had three or more offensive rebounds in yeah. one play. Yeah. Okay, and they only end up uh, last night with uh, <laughs> only 17 offensive boards. So I'm sorry, it was three three times. Um, so. My point about that is, uh, we got nine offensive boards. I'd like to see us be within five offensive boards of the um of the other team. I think we've only a couple times this season have we ever won the offensive board uh, game. But the reality of of what we play and how we play our defense, it's always going to um leave the boards open. We don't keep our big man inside always, and when we don't do that, it's going to be one of those un- um detrimental plays and if you look at these these trade ideas for guys out there right now and like lori market in and this player or that player or you know like there's so many different options of, of players right now that people are saying that are available listen i understand all that stuff i understand what it is to say let's go all in right now but the reality of it is that we don't know how much chet's going to get better we don't know how much this this offensive boards are still going to kill us we could figure something out we could fi- um, find a um Um, a group of guys that do really well on defensive boards, and we just play those guys a lot more. Like, I don't know how this is all going to roll out. But for us to go and trade four first-round draft picks for Laurie Marketing, which we could have him for two years, I get that. But if he doesn't work in our system, then that puts us back, like, significant. That puts us back a lot. And I just want to stop at that moment and think about this. What's more important? For us to get a big man this year right now on a desperate move, or for us to be patient and wait for a move like, hey, Laurie Markkinen is going to go to a team like, I don't know, Denver or something like that, and stepping up and helping a team like the Heat pick up Laurie Markkinen instead because then we get um, extra aspects out of it. And to me, that would be more valuable than trying to take over Laurie Markkinen's contract is getting him out of the West. It's like yeah. Get Laurie Markkinen out of the West, and then we'll, we don't have to worry about that because I want to see, in the long run, this Oklahoma City Thunder team, like, bring in big men that fit the system. In this next draft, there's three or four big men that will fit our system that we could utilize, that could play really well, and that shoot the three, and that know how to rebound like a mad fu- motherfucker. So, I would rather keep it in-house, train that player, and I know what that, that means. That People are like, well, well, that means we can't compete this year, but I, I disagree.
0: I, I'll say why I disagree. Because we're learning how to do it, bro. It's the second and third efforts on rebounds that we're starting to do again. We did it last year, and we're starting to figure it out again. You can't let anybody have a clean offensive rebound. Yeah. <clears throat> That's how, I mean, didn't you notice that? We're gang rebounding again. And I yeah, know dude. we're not where we want to be, but there are a couple of moments in this game where we hit that, that flow that I was talking about a little bit mm. ago, Dave. Like, a few weeks ago, I think I said, like, hey, we're, we're doing fine. But we're still not playing well. Yeah. Like we're we we're, we're, pl- we're winning games, but we're not hitting that level of flow where it's like no team can stop us. And during moments of this game, we st- we got into that where it was just like mm-hmm. we were, like we were saving the ball out of bounds to another guy who's saving the ball out of bounds, and then we were all of a sudden scoring on the other end. It's like who can stop that? Like sure, flow. Yeah, and we hit it. And we're about to hit it like a motherfucker because it took us till mid-January to hit it last year and You're right once we You're hit right. it watch the fuck out because we are a contender I want everybody just to realize that like it, I know that all the smart people out there are like, oh they're good right now but are they really contenders no they don't fucking know you don't have a defense like ours an offense like ours a superstar like Shay, a defensive superstar like Chet, a secondary star like j-dub which we did not fucking talk enough about j-dub no nah, dude that was J-Dub, insane dude huge play after huge play down the stretch and he started out the first half struggling you could tell he was frustrated and all of a sudden he just transforms in those dunks bro i know oh dude. my god dude i can't believe it took us so long to talk about the dunks by j-dub think about think about Holy the way
1: f- he goes down the lane
0: angry. and angry gets so high up right and his arm and he just, just talks about. Long.
1: he talks about it he's like um um, I'm Jalen Williams, right? And then J Dub comes out whenever you see me yell, and he threw that that dunk down, and he um, you know right down the middle and threw it down. And he starts yelling, and Co- cage is like, I wonder if that's where J Dub comes out. And it's like, no duh. like that's J Dub right there when he is able to get up. And I and I wrote Mark the second I saw it too. I was like, we're gonna see J Dub do this throughout his career. Like this is gonna be known as J Dub's shit because once he becomes like, oh, I can do this easily. Like he's already seeing he can. Right. It's just going to be dunk after dunk
0: after dunk after so, dunk. What do you say? It's to Co- over. What does coach say to bring out Dub? Huh? What does coach say to bring out Dub? I don't know, man. What does he say? I don't know. Like, what does he got to do? Tell him it is eat his wheaties? You know what I mean? Like, whatever dude, the fuck I, it listen, takes, dude. Listen, I, I think he has to put him in a situation and call a play for him.
1: Let's just be honest. Like, I want to see coach early on call a play for J-Dub. That's backdoor. That's high elevated, and that's yeah. an alley oop, whatever. Yeah. Because J. W. even threw an alley oop to, uh, to uh, Chet. Chet the other last night, you oh, know. It. And, and it there's so, so many, and there's <laughs> so many weird, like crazy things. Like he he elevated, had all the big men on him, and then just this floater. where Everybody's like, "That's a floater," and then Chet just throws wow. it down. And I was like, "Well, I wasn't expecting that." Like, like to me, like he does these crazy things that you have to just stop and appreciate. And, um, dude, can you I, imagine?
0: I, I wish
1: I wish I wish I could say this, but like, he, this is the reality, Chet. J Dub, Shay, and the slob. Like they all do these crazy, insane things, man. And when you when you do these things that you're just watching and you're like, holy cow, that might be the best player in the NBA at that attribute. That might be the best player at that attribute. Mm-hmm. That might be the best player in the league. And then you start sitting back and you start realizing, like you've said, like I've said, that this year is a contending year if we stay healthy. If we stay healthy, there's not a chance in the fucking world, in the world. That this team isn't a top three in the West. And everybody's gonna be looking at us and gonna be like, holy shit, like, how do we, how do we play against Oklahoma City? I don't want to match up against them. You know, you're gonna be the the seventh seed, which is it's gonna be one of those teams that are are fighting for it. And they're gonna be like, fuck, dude, I don't want that. Whether it's the Clippers, Lakers, or you know, whoever that's gonna be fighting for that position, they're gonna be like, I'd rather be the eighth seed and play against a team. You know, the sixth seed, I'm sorry, the sixth seed. And I would rather be the seventh seed or whatever. Like, you could see some crazy shit happen in order for teams not to play against Oklahoma City. And it's like, yeah, 100%, that's where I think this team's at, is that this team has separated themselves from the rest of the pack. It's not only the young team, but the future is here in Oklahoma City. And if you look at anybody in the league that's halfway intelligent on podcasts, on ESPN, they all know it. They all know it. J.J. Reddick's talking about it every fucking episode. He whispers about Oklahoma City because he gets it. All right, I'm not saying J.J. Reddick's one of the greatest minds in the NBA, but he is one of the greatest minds on the NBA podcast level, and he's out there saying that the Oklahoma City Thunder is a team that's going to crush you every single podcast. And then you got a game like this. What do you think is going to happen, guys? Everybody's going to be yelling from the rooftop. Chet for Rookie of the Year. Shea, MVP. That means what? 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 That means what? Guys, Oklahoma City, Thunder are for real this year. Mark it up. Start saving up for playoff tickets because it's
0: going to happen, guys. Oklahoma, bitches, it's going to be a ride. Catch you guys tomorrow.